Whenever the church gathers on this Feast of the Epiphany, we hear these same readings, the readings that were proclaimed this morning from Isaiah and Paul's letter to the Ephesians and to the Gospel of Matthew. And so these readings must hold some special kind of place in the church's understanding as we continue to celebrate the Feast of the Incarnation, God choosing to become a human being and in doing so to change the course of human history so that those of us who follow the power of Jesus' name, and as we learn today, all people of goodwill also share a mission to be the presence of God in the world as history unfolds. In our first reading, the prophet speaks of Israel being set apart, set apart to be a light to all nations. It's another example of ordinary people being challenged to do extraordinary things. Israel perceived itself to be in a special relationship with the author of life as they came to a deeper understanding of their religious history, they understood that they were given a special task, in fact, to prepare the world for the coming of God's presence. They had a particular vision of who the Messiah would be and what the Messiah would be like, but they were challenged as they grew to understand God's plan to see that they'd be surprised with God's activity in the world. God wasn't going to act like they expected God to act. In our second reading, Paul reminds the Ephesians, a special community of Christians, that the heritage that they were experiencing as believers in Jesus wasn't meant to be just for those people who had been Jewish and came to believe in the power of Jesus in their lives, but that the presence of God and the mercy of God, the light of God in the world, would extend to every nation, to every people, because God doesn't have favorites. And in creating diverse kinds of people, in creating different kinds of expressions of being alive in the power of a creative God, all people were called to witness the power and the presence of God made manifest. And in our gospel story, we hear this very familiar story of the epiphany, the manifestation of the incarnation and the promise of salvation for all people. The characters, besides the Holy Family, are three people known to us by different names. They're called the wise men, or the Magi, as they are in our translation today, or sometimes they're called the sages, or three kings. Whichever title we are used to, each describes a different aspect of these people who are spoken about in today's gospel story. Magi were people who were pilgrims, searching for something new in their lives. People who held a vision for themselves and were willing to follow after that. The wise men were people of intelligence, scientific knowledge, 
We also call them astronomers, people who followed the stars, who actually had a vision and an understanding that the universe was unfolding also as a sign of God's love. Or if we call them the three kings, they have a kind of sense of authority or power. But whatever kind of name we give these people, the truth of the readings we have today is that there's a kind of richness to the word of God that challenges us beyond the surface of the words to dig deeper into the meaning of those words, not only in the past, but in our lives as well. For we believe that the word of God is alive and active. It touches our hearts every bit as much as it touched those people who were inspired by God and that community of faith who considered what was important enough to hold as the canon of scripture for all believers. Whatever we call the people we've encountered in today's readings, we see a pattern emerging in their story. They're seeking and searching after something more. They're surprised by what they find. And through a dream, like Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, they are called to find a new space in their lives to let God's grace be seen. These stories help us see our lives in the same patterns. We seek and search after meaning and happiness. In this very real world in which we live, we as ordinary people come here to be reminded of our extraordinary call to be the empowerment and the presence of a living God who can bring light in darkness, who can bring hope in despair, who, yes, even can build teams from people who think so differently and are so diverse. And all we need to do is look around in our very real lives and see examples of where we need to be light in this world that's broken by war, where we need to be people who work together as teams when our leaders seem not to be willing or able to do that at times. And we are called to create a space in our lives that reminds us that there's more than just what fills us up. There's always more calling us to understand a richer interpretation of God's presence. We seek and search after meaning and happiness. We're often surprised by what we find we are called and expected to do. And when we venture into, back into our ordinary lives, we're filled with the joy and promise because God really does work through us and in us. As I was preparing this week's homily, I came across a short passage that I'd like to read from you. It's by an author whose name is Marianne Williamson. Some of you may know her writings. And this is from her, A Return to Love. She writes, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not 
to be those things. You are a child of God. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people will not feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. And so as we walk our journeys of faith this week, I ask you to consider what is the star that you follow in your life? Where is it leading you? Where is the space within you for God's grace to grow?